Welcome along to another episode of From the Resort Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Wilshere. Uh, today is the 30th of January, 2023, uh, episode number 44. We've got uh, a special guest today. Her name is Wendy Van Liesout, um, and uh, she is the CEO of Active Adventures uh, here in uh, Queenstown. And um, she's also a member of the board for Queenstown Business uh, Chamber of Commerce. Welcome along to the podcast, Wendy. Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm going excellent. Thank you very much. Um, we like to start these podcasts is just a bit about earlier life. So whereabouts were you born and uh, where'd you grow up? Okay. Well, um, I was born in the Netherlands in a very small place called Geldrop in the south of the Netherlands. I uh, lived there until I was eight when my parents very bravely decided that they should pick up our young family. My brother and I, I was eight, my brother was ten, uh, for new adventures in far-flung shores, in this case New Zealand. So we came across to Christchurch and that's where I grew up. Excellent. So um, can you remember any of those early early years in, uh, in the Netherlands? Uh, what was life like? Did you live in sort of a, was it a small town, rural area, I think you said? Yeah, it was quite a small town, quite a villagey kind of atmosphere, I guess. Um, very much surrounded by young families, so good memories of sort of slightly on the edge of rural, um, you know, a lot of biking, plick, picking blackberries yeah. in the afternoons, um, pretty wholesome sort of upbringing, I guess. Yeah, how far away from Amsterdam would that be? That would have been about two and a half hours by train. Okay. Yeah, actually yep. lived reasonably close to both the German and the Belgian borders. Yep. No, I did. I did do a trip uh, four years ago, train line from Amsterdam into um, into Belgium. Uh, what's the place up called? It started with A um, in Belgium. Anyway. Um, yeah. So yeah, obviously, uh, yeah, beautiful countryside uh, in in um, in the Netherlands. Um, so moving to New Zealand, obviously a big step, you've got an older brother, um, and uh, so moving to, to Christchurch uh, back when you did, um, what were your first impressions, I guess, from that, you know, that big change, I guess, in, in your young life, because even when I was, um, you know, that sort of age, moving from one end of Tasmania to the other, that was a big change for me, so going to a different country yes. uh, would be obviously something that would be very much a big change. Can, what are your sort of first impressions? Yeah, it's kind of weird when you're an eight-year-old. Um, my impression of what I was going to was that it would be like Little House on the Prairie, for those <laughs> of you who can still remember that. I really did not think that there were cities. I was a small young girl, so um, it was pretty strange coming across to New Zealand. And I think the hardest part for a young person is because I had I did not know the language at all. I knew two words, which were key and dog. Mm. Don't ask me why. Um, but that made it very difficult to start with. I mean, obviously, part of a loving family, which was great, but things like going to school in Christchurch, not knowing how to speak the language was pretty character building. Definitely character building. So obviously not learning English, obviously, until you got to Christchurch. So that's... That's uh, certainly a big step. And how did your brother, did he sort of find it difficult as well? Or? Well, interestingly, we took two different ways of, of approaching it. So my, my approach was just to stay completely silent for three months and not say a single word to anybody. Okay. Um, and in the background, I was learning to speak English yep. fluently. So once I started speaking, 
it was completely fluent with no accent at all um, from that day onwards. Um, My brother, on the flip side, just spoke regardless of what came out of his mouth. Um, That also worked. It was just a different way of doing it. But both, obviously, had quite a few challenges because kids can be quite... um, Kids can be quite mean at that age. Yeah, definitely can be quite mean. So your parents, what did they sort of do as a career when they moved to Christchurch? What were they sort of, I guess, what paid the bills? Yeah, so my father left his own business um, in the Netherlands, but we knew back then when you came across to somewhere like New Zealand, you had to be sponsored in. So we actually started working in a metalwork factory um, and eventually trained to become an accountant. Um, And my mother was a nurse, uh, she came across to Christchurch and worked in um, in an elderly care home and then also trained to become an accountant. So they both ended up as accountants. So I went from a nurse to being an accountant. Yeah. So that's an interesting sort of challenge, yeah, isn't it? It is. I don't know if I've ever heard that one, but that's that's an interesting... Yeah, okay. So um, and did they? what did they think of the move? Did they sort of uh, like, I guess, like the new um place where they're living and I mean obviously they there's a reason they moved to New Zealand in the first place yeah uh tricky time in the Netherlands at that time where despite the fact I mentioned a wholesome upbringing um it was in the late 70s early 80s and there was quite a bit of uh nuclear power starting to be used um and not all of that went so smoothly so there were there was some contamination and things um and they felt that coming across to New Zealand was all about a very clean and green um, environment to bring up the kids, which it was. So we always did a lot of hiking and camping and being in the outdoors, which was amazing. Mm. Um, it, it wasn't always smooth, you know, when you leave your entire extended family behind. I think there's quite a lot of sort of homesickness going on. Um, but as a family unit, we were exceptionally happy with where we ended up because it was a very um and still is a very beautiful part of new zealand and we were able to explore the south island and you know everything that's enjoyable about the outdoors so always been an outdoors sort of person uh, right from the from the get-go yeah i think so i mean there was some a period in between where as a teenager you kind of don't like anything but um at the very core of who i am definitely always been into the outdoors Mm. And what about uh, did you, any particular sports that you sort of, uh, or hobbies that you sort of did growing up? Um... Yeah, well, for me, funnily enough, not so much. And that was probably because my parents weren't particularly sporty either. I was actually brought up with music. Um, okay. So I played the piano and I played the clarinet and I played the saxophone and was very involved with the jazz band and the orchestra and the productions at school and those sorts of things. So a slightly different pathway. So lots of so, so big sort of into music, all the different types of instruments, as you said. Um, what was your favourite instrument? Still the piano would have to be, even though at times it was gruelling, the practice that you had to do, but I still play now and it's, a, it's an okay. amazing sort of tension release thing mm. to do as well. I really enjoy it. Mm. Okay. And what and sport, any sort of sport in particular? And uh, now I have been running for a long time, so oh, since right, my yeah. late thirties, I've been into running. Yep. So as a kid, did you do the sort of athletics and the little athletics? No, and that sort of thing, nothing no? at all. Okay. So I really didn't do any kind of 
exercise or sport other than sort of skiing and things and tramping mm. um, until my late 30s, early 40s. Mm. So did you do a lot of skiing when you were younger as well? Because obviously lots of mountains on the South Island. Yep. Able yep. to access them. Um, snowboarder or skier or Skier, both. always. Yeah. 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 Um, and obviously, so that was that was something else you enjoy. Um, so going through your teenage years, uh, what can you remember what your first ever job that you had was? Yes, I bagged groceries at New World in Christchurch. That was my first job. At about 12, I think I was. And then after that, I had quite a long period of working in bakeries, like hot bread shops, serving both, you know, working in the back um, and then serving in the front. And also hospitality right through till I was about 19, 20. In fact, 20s, early 20s, always working in restaurants. So lots of of different types of jobs in in the teenage years. So you're going groceries, uh, baking... Um, and then working in, in hospitality, so quite a lot, a lot of different uh, variations there. Um, so, what can you remember? All those different jobs that you had in those teenage years. What was your one you liked the most? That's tricky. They were all. I don't know. When I look back now, they were all really hard work. Mm. Um, I did also work in an orchard for a while, mm. thinning apples, and I think I used to get paid two dollars seventy-five an hour. Um, and I had to bike there. Um, I really enjoyed that because it was outdoors and I got to hang out with a friend and chat. That was that was good. It was very early days though. Mm. So I think you did go to university, is that right? Yes. In Can- Canterbury? Went, yes, I did go so to Tell Canterbury. us about that. What, what was the decision, I guess, as a young adult to um, make that big, you know, big step to decide to go to uni? What, obviously, academically, you were very good or... Um, it wasn't a smooth path to get there. I uh, I had a gap year. I always desperately wanted to travel, which yeah. I think has been in my genes. And I was very passionate in the, the later years at high school about classical history. Mm. So I really wanted to go to Greece and to Italy to, to sort of see things firsthand. So I saved like mad. Um, and at that time, I were not a well-known thing. So um, at the time, I was also modelling, and I actually had a modelling contract that was waiting for me in Milan. Um, so I saved up a bunch of money to travel to Europe um, with a view of doing some modelling over there, um, and also to travel around, particularly to look at the classical history sites in Rome and um, Athens and Greece. So I did that for a year. Um, in the end, the modelling thing didn't wasn't actually for me. Um, as I discovered, I much more wanted to travel around. So while I was in Europe, I made the decision that I would come back to New Zealand and study. Uh, so I worked in a chicken factory <laughs> uh, for about two months to get enough money to go to university. And uh, that was a big decision, absolutely. Not so much because the decision to go to university, it was leaving behind what I could have potentially had in Europe. So that was one of the biggest decisions I think I ever made in my life. So so going and living permanently in Europe was something that was high on, you know, possibilities. Yes, yeah, Mm. yeah. But the culture and the environment of modelling in Europe did not sit well with me. Mm. So I made the decision to 
come back to New Zealand and use my brain to have an income and not my mm. body, which yeah. sounds kind of weird, but that's exactly what it was. Yeah. So I came back in time for the start of the university year. By then I was one year behind all of my friends who had gone straight from yeah, yeah. school, which was actually probably a good thing. It just meant that I was extremely focused yeah. at university. Mm. That makes sense. So what was the first undergraduate course that you did there? I have I did a, um, a BA and it started off um, majoring in classical history mm-hmm. and English literature. And when I was about halfway through the first year, I actually didn't like classics anymore at all. So I switched to art history. So I ended up with a Bachelor of Arts in English Literature and Art History. Okay. So that was, so did you find studies, obviously you did quite well at university or how, how did you sort of find? Yeah, I did. I don't know whether it was because I'd had that year off and yeah, I made that yeah, really... Makes a bit of a difference. Yeah, a a difference. I had a really clear decision that I, that's what I wanted to do. So I had a grade point average of A minus, which yeah, very is good. pretty good. Um, and... I was invited to stay and do an honours degree, but by then I was ready to go into the workforce and make some money. So, okay, so you made the decision after that to, you know, wanted to go, go into the workforce. What sort of jobs were you looking for at the time and, and what did you end up settling on, I guess, or to start off with? So I was obviously came out with an art history and English degree. I was um, very passionate about working in uh, an art gallery. So I did get a job in an art gallery in Christchurch. Um, unfortunately, the, there was a, an unsavory gentleman who I worked for. Um, and after about three or four months, I decided that that wasn't for me and I just wanted to get out. So I just looked for jobs in the paper and wasn't really looking for anything in spe- anything specific. I just wanted to do something different. And I applied for the receptionist role at Thomas Cook in Christchurch. So what's Thomas Cook? That's... Thomas Cook it was probably the world's largest travel agency yep. chain. Okay. I knew I should have known that. <laughs> when I say was, it's um, it's it's an English brand. It still exists, but it was a global brand and retrenched to the UK mm. about ten years ago. But um, there was one on every street corner in New Zealand yep. back then. Um, yeah, so I started off on reception, typing out itineraries uh, on a typewriter. <laughs> back on a typewriter, okay. So yeah. like, this is before computers were really yes. prevalent. Yeah. There you go, wow. So, okay, well, that takes, takes us back a bit, I guess, a little bit. It does. That shows you how old I am. Um, but, yeah, that was my start in travel. I typed itineraries and I greeted people when they came into the shop and yeah. took them over, introduced them to a travel consultant mm. to have their consultation about travelling around the world. Mm. So, obviously, um, you know, travelling is, is, is certainly part of what you, you know, are passionate about and that's obviously helps when you get into a a door in a company there and then obviously from there you can basically just take you know take as you improve you get more skillful you probably find something else in the same organization is that what you did or what yes next? Uh, so I remember when I started the manager said to me well I hope you realize you're not going to be a travel consultant which is at the time everybody wanted to be a travel agent okay. because it was perceived to have perks Um, travel perks and I said oh good lord no I don't want to do that it looks far too hard to me Mm. but lo and behold by typing out itineraries for 
six or eight months or whatever it was, you actually mm. get to learn quite a lot. Yeah, you would. <laughs> about airline routings and where people go and yeah. what you know what they like to do. So they did train me up to first become a domestic consultant. Um, did that for a short while. Then I became an international consultant. Then I became second in charge of that store. Um, and then I was headhunted by another chain to manage a store. Mm. So that happened in the space of about three years. Yeah, from receptionist all the way. Yeah. Up to yeah, okay, so getting headhunted and. Yep. So so the headhunting. So you're working at Thomas Cook, and then so who headhunted you at that point? It was a brand called no longer exists. Was United Travel in mm-hmm. New Zealand it was a franchised travel agency operation. Right. So I managed a small store in Christchurch to start with. Yeah. And then I wanted more again. Yeah. Um, and their head office in Auckland was looking for, they called them business development managers, and yeah. they there was about 80 United Travels around the country, and they wanted a northern and a southern BDM to look after 30, 40 stores each um, to help them grow their businesses, whether it be to help with HR or marketing or finance. Yeah. Um, so I uh, applied for that role. I was told, I was laughed at and told that, oh, don't be silly, that role is for is not going to ever be for a woman or someone uh-huh. as young as you. Um, but I persevered and ended up getting the role. Mm. Um, and so I looked after 30, 40 stores between Taupo and Invercargill and travelled to all of the stores and met the owners and because they're all franchised and help them out with whatever they needed and that was probably the best. So a role that would have kept you pretty busy travelling as well. Yes, extremely. Going from store to store. Yep, hardly ever home. I was based in Christchurch work for the head office so it was the start of kind of remote working back then. Yeah, okay. So how did you find that role? Did you enjoy it? Is there anything that sort of got, um, that you didn't like after a while? Um, The the hard part was the constant travelling. Yeah, yeah. Although that can be fun, but it, it's sort of pretty hard. If you do it for how many? How, how long did that go for? I uh, did that role for over maybe two, two years, I think. Yeah, so I as you sort of come years. to the second year and yeah, starting to get, get a bit over it. <laughs> saying okay, well, do I have to go back up to this store and yeah, but it's amazing but, though, amazing but learning you ground. Different people though. Yes. To, yeah. Um, as in, you said, I think you said you're an introverted person, but. You, those things sort of develop your, your you know, being able, you have to speak to people, obviously. Constantly. And, uh, and obviously you get more confidence, you know, speaking uh, amongst these people, you know, other uh, peers, store and or whatever they, yeah. Um, so you also get more confident in, in yourself as well. So you've sort of naturally progressed, I guess, as, as far as your, you know, public speaking skills are concerned. Is there any, anything else that, I guess, helped you along the way, do you think? Um... What helped was the variety of the different issues and challenges that these business owners had. So it was absolutely baptism by fire, but also just it got you under the hood of multiple businesses, all different sizes, understanding the Mm. challenges. That was definitely the best building ground for what I do now, I Mm. think. Yeah, okay. So transitioning out of that particular role, what was the next role after that I guess. Yeah, still with the same company. I moved into um, 
into a corporate travel role looking after similar businesses but in the corporate travel side only for a very short period of time so we'll skip that one yeah, um, that's okay. yep. and then I they, they suggested to me that I should become the marketing manager for this entire chain yeah the boss at the time and I went what do you mean I have no marketing experience whatsoever and uh, the boss at the time said, but you know all the franchisees really well, and that's kind of the first step. You understand their business needs, you understand the customer, you've actually got the skills that you need. And I was left going, crikey, that's quite a step up. So they sent me to the Otago University Executive Education Program, and I did a sort of intensive marketing course to learn how to do marketing. Um, and I was in that role for, I think, eight between six and eight years. That's a decent chunk. Yeah. So still with the same company. Um, and I moved to school? Auckland. Is still now? Which We're with United Travel United, now. sorry. Yeah, yeah, of course. Sorry. Yep. And as part of that, I moved to Auckland. So you did move to Auckland. In 2002. Mm. Yep. Yeah. So, and so how long were you in Auckland for then? In, in the end, 20 years. Almost. 2019, I moved back down here. Okay. Yeah. So quite a so that's that's quite a bit of time in Auckland when you think about it. Yes, it's a good yeah good generation really. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, when you look at it that way. So uh, it, I guess so. How do you get from there to I guess where you are now? The Active Adventures. Yes, and then the CEO of Active Adventures. So how did still a few roles in between. There's a few roles in between. <laughs> Don't have to go over everything, no. but uh, what no. are any other what are the highlights in between? I yeah. guess. I moved to a general management position, which was obviously the precursor to a CEO role at a corporate travel agency, um, New Zealand's largest privately owned at the time. I was there for three years. And then, so most of these roles, by the way, from United Travel on were headhunted every single time. I don't think I've ever applied for a job um, in the normal way. Then probably the formative one was was CEO of a travel agency group called World Travelers, which was a startup. And I built it from two travel agencies up to 40 by the time I left, um, which was amazing. So that was a great experience. And then I had three more years at Hello World. Um, Hello World, yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And when I was at Hello World, I was approached by Active Adventures to apply for this role. And the recruiter rang me up and said, we see that you've trained in... Canterbury, are you interested in any roles in the South Island? And I said, no, I don't think so. And they said, we think you should have a listen. And I said, no, it's not for me. But I, you know, long story short, I did have a listen. I loved the sound of the company um, and okay. what it could potentially grow to and what it offered from a challenge perspective. It was global. Uh, so yeah, that, that was the move in 2019. Packed up the family, came south again. But all the way south, you know, with, well, not all yes, the way south. further south, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, was, did Queenstown have, uh, I guess, a bit to do with wanting that job in particular? You like to potentially living in a, in a place like Queenstown? or? Yes, absolutely. And mm. i never forget that I was on to about interview four and psychometric testing and, and all so sorts really of things. It was a very intensive process. Jeez. I had to prepare strategy papers and all sorts of things. Very thorough. Wow. But at one point, the board asked me in a meeting, what What are you most excited about, about the role? And I said, moving to Queenstown. <laughs> well, that'll be up there. Yeah. Yes. I'm not entirely sure they were that impressed with that answer. But um, 
Yes, it was a big draw card. Having been brought up in Christchurch, Queenstown was always seen as a place you went on holiday and it yes. represented this clean, green, beautiful lifestyle. So having two young kids and having the opportunity to live in Queenstown was a, was a big draw card for sure. Yeah, definitely. So in 2019, that's when you made the big move to uh, Queenstown. So, uh, and obviously, obviously, um, it's been a few years into this role. Uh, what are the, I guess COVID has been prevented, presented itself to be a fairly big challenge. Has yes, it? Yeah. rather. Uh, wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. No. So yes, six months into the role, I everything came to a screaming halt. We'd just delivered our strategic plan for three years to the board. Mm. Um, they just said, yes, go for it. This is in December 2019. Yep. Um, they okayed all the investment and all the resource required to roll it out. And then February, the wheels came off, obviously. So yes, it has been a bit challenging. Uh, but we're coming out the other end now. We've We've absolutely thrived and survived. We're bigger, mm. better, stronger, which was always our driver. Mm. Um, beautiful new offices. Yeah, yeah. How long have you been well. in these offices for? Not too long? No, we just moved in just before Christmas. Yeah, Yeah, that's, it's in a good spot here. It's not too bad. A bit of, you've sort of, yeah. It's, it's, it's good. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, the, so tell us a bit about Active Adventures. What does, what, who are your, I guess, ideal sort of clients Yep. or customers, uh, what sort of are they looking for in experiences and what do you sort of deliver at best, I guess? Yep. So we are a small group adventure tour company. Um, our clients are generally from America, so 86% are from America. Um, the age group tends to be 50 plus. Um, mm-hmm. People who are into, as the name suggests, active holidays, particularly hiking focused, yep. kayaking, a bit of biking. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and we do itineraries all around the South Island and the North Island in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. New Zealand's only 30% of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, another 35% is North America Domestic, run by our subsidiary Austin Adventures, okay. which I'm also um, CEO of. That's based in Montana. And then the remaining, whatever that is, um, 35% is made up of South America and Europe, and then Himalayas and Africa. So we so very worldwide. Very, it's, so even though it seems small, yep. it's global. Yes. Worldwide, and you're the CEO in all the in a lot of these different... Yeah, so I oversee um, the whole shooting box. We have about 40 sort of office staff globally um, yep. in Queenstown primarily um, and in Montana, and mm. then we also have... A small office in the Netherlands and in South America, mm. in um, Peru, and we also have an operational base in Christchurch. Yeah. So as a CEO um, of this sort of like a company like this, with all these different itineraries all over the world, right? You sort of get to go in a lot of them, or most of them, <laughs> if not all of them. How do you sort of critique the itineraries? Well, I would have if the borders hadn't been closed yeah, for the last yeah, few years. I understand that part. <laughs> Um, I've so far only been on a part of a New Zealand trip and in, on, in a US, on a US trip that it's not my job to vet the product. We yeah. mostly listen to what our customers want. So yeah. we have really strong feedback loop yeah. with our guests and yeah. our operational team is constantly you know, improving the product as we go, both on the fly but mostly at the end of each operational season in each place. Yeah. 
So when you were in, just going back a little bit to when you were in uh, before this job, so in Auckland. Yep. Um, did you have involvement um, up there with Chambers of Commerce or, or? No, I actually did not. Um, I probably attended a few things on the periphery, but no, I, no, I wasn't involved. Auckland, very big place. Yeah, huge place. <laughs> yeah, lots of little subsections, even yeah. more, perhaps. Um, but yeah, okay. That, that's so. Then moving here, um, how did you first get involved with the Queenstown Chamber of Commerce? So when I first arrived, obviously new to a completely new business community and community in general, I was speaking to people. Um, mostly attached to our business and a lot of them said look the way to get into the the local community is particularly the business community is to attend some um, chamber of commerce events mm-hmm. um, so I did that I also had a meeting with the CEO um, and we discussed a few different bits and pieces I had just come off the travel agents association of New Zealand board because I left travel agent land um, and I sit on the board of the Tourism Export Council of New Zealand, so that conversation sort of came up whether there was any opportunities, um, and I felt that I had something to give in that governance space, um, and at the same time that would help me connect more with the business community. So yes. that was kind of the driver. Yeah, so and I guess first impressions, I mean my first impressions of the, the Queenstown Chamber of Commerce, um, it, it's, you know, it, 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 exceptionally sort of well organized you know the events the the membership um the people obviously make a community and i think it's you you've got nothing but great people that turn up to these uh, events um so the i guess the pull to be able to get involved and have it have a say um someone like yourself who's who's had a not had a great career uh to get involved and get getting yeah it's definitely um you know lots of I guess uh, benefits that you would get out of that for your, you know, for your career. So, I guess on that, uh, when did you first think, or when did you first get tapped on the shoulder about, you know, potentially being on the board, that sort of thing? I just think it came out of those early conversations. I just sort of said, look, if you think I can add value, um, let me know, and I'm happy to put my hand up. That's kind of how it started, really. Yeah. Um, these things always take a bit more commitment than you realize at the time and I'm not someone who does things by half so I do um I do tend to to get really involved um but it's 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 an amazing organization compared to somewhere like Auckland I mean here everyone is so tight-knit that it's it's great to have an organization that brings all those people together and creates those connections and you said earlier you know uh, it's, it's a small organisation, but I, I was just, I've always been gobsmacked how it really punches above its weight, considering I, there's yeah, only so few that. people. I mean, what uh, they I deliver agree. is when incredible. You compare that to, um, I mean, I, I come from another chamber sort of background, and this is part of where the podcast started actually, uh, in Brisbane. Um, but you would turn up to events here and there, and you're looking at similar numbers. Yes. Even though Brisbane does have a huge population. Um, you know, it seems like um, there's a fairly high high uh, percentage of attendance. Yes. Um, at the Chamber of Commerce events for the population yep. in comparison to other chambers of commerce that I've seen in, in, in the past. So um, there are quite a, obviously a few out there, but this is the one that's in Queenstown. 
Queenstown business. I mean, I like that sort of rebranding focus of making sure that that's that's you know pronounced. That's what it is. Um, yeah, and it's it's delivering and it's delivering above and beyond. I totally agree. But what that comes from is having a really strong strategy mm. and really sticking to the strategy. And I think there's a real um, tendency or you've got to be careful as a chamber that you're not just being pulled in the direction of whatever is the, the kind of issue on the day. Yeah. But we, we quite often sit around as a board and if an issue arises, we'll go back to our strategic plan and go, does that fit with our strategy? And yeah, that also exactly. gives really strong direction to the chamber team to be able to actually do what they're doing and deliver those results. Yeah. And that's why I think they punch above their weight. They're very clear on what they need to do and that is built out of the needs of the business community. Mm. But it is also a highly engaged business community. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, since you've, you've obviously moved here, you obviously met quite a few new people and that sort of thing. Um, obviously very happy with the move I'd say you know that's one of the when you look at all the career decisions that you made you've made quite a few yes um, <laughs> does this one think does this one seem like one of the ones that you can always look back and with oh, I'm so glad I did that or I wish I did that sooner or well I think it's a double-edged sword or a um, it, there's two sides to that because of COVID but I think yeah, but sure. regardless of that I couldn't have I couldn't have picked a better place in, in the world to have been through COVID. But um, no, I still maintain that. And my friends obviously often ask that question too. I, When I first moved here, I honestly felt like I'd won the lottery. <laughs> to be able to live in a place mm. like Queenstown and the playground that it is and to be able to have adventures with my family, spend time with an amazing team here um, mm. at Active Adventures, um, it, it really, you know, I felt very, very blessed and I still do every day. Mm. And I know some people find, weirdly, that Queenstown is a bit, um, some people don't like the mountains, which I find really weird. I've had a friend yeah. and a staff member actually find it really claustrophobic having the mountains all the way around. Uh, to me, it's, um, my soul is happy here. When yeah. I land on that plane and there's the Remarkables, yeah. it's home. Well, yeah. Well, I guess when I sort of moved here, and that, you know, not too long, a year after you moved here probably, um, it, w it was a sort of a planned move. It was like going back from 2015, 2016. That's when I started preparing and, you know, thinking about how am I going to do that? How am I going to make this this move to a place like Queenstown? And, and um, took, you know, it took a lot of sort of a bit of planning and a bit of get to this, get to this goal, get to this goal then let's go, and then COVID or whatever. But um, for you, was it just something that you'd thought about much leading up to that? Like if you think about the five to 10 years before making that decision, was it something you even thought about doing or not really? No. Or was it 2019? <laughs> yes, okay, let's do it. Yeah, reasonably spontaneous in that regard. Um, no, we hadn't planned it, thought about it, maybe 20 years down the track. Mm. Um, and my husband's a barrister. So yeah. he's pretty attached to where the courts are. Yeah. So I don't think it was something we would have considered because um, mm. there's not even a court in Queenstown that has a standing judge. But um, because we quickly worked out that the remote thing can work, yeah. that was definitely a consideration. But no, it was extremely spontaneous between March and 
yeah, within a six to eight week period, we made the decision to go, sell the house, move the family, Mm -hmm. everything done, left, left the whole shooting box. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Well, it's crazy, but a lot of people seem to, you know, a lot of people that have had more in the pocket, you know, the, 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 the move has been here, you know, sometimes in recent years, as opposed to, yep. there's been some that have been around for, you know, 40 plus years as well. Yes, and I do um, think in Queenstown, back to the conversation about the chamber and the mm. business community, there's a real, the scales are tipping between what was established old Queenstown business and all the new people coming in, and it's really nice to see yeah, definitely. that mix. Yeah. And then coming back full circle to my move from Auckland with my family, maybe part of my mind said, look, your my parents did it from, an, from the other side of the world. Um, and in yeah, fact, yeah. when I went to visit my parents to say, and they knew something so was up. Your parents now, where were they? Are they? They're based in Hamilton now, but okay. they, when I went to visit them to tell them I was moving away from Auckland, um, they were relieved because they were convinced we were moving to Europe. <laughs> So, oh my God, it's only Queenstown, they said. Thank uh, goodness. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, okay, so if you have a look at your um, life career to date, uh, who would you say, I guess, uh, your people that you look up to, your mentors or heroes or people that have had, a, I guess, a lasting impression on your career? Yes, well... Um, there's a few, but probably the key one was the leader I had for that longish period of time when I moved a few times at United Travel, a guy called Barry Fenton, who, um, he was one of those highly inspirational but also reasonably irritating leaders who had amazing ideas, but was so passionate about driving business forward um, and never took no for an answer and had a lot of resilience and a lot of um, just vision. He was, he was a visionary leader yeah. and yep. I've always, you know, when I think about making decisions myself, yes, I base them on data but always combined with, mm. you know, no never needs to be the answer and just because it's hard doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Mm. And he has definitely influenced me a lot. Okay. And what about, obviously travel is quite a, a big part of, uh, you know, being involved in what you've done in your career. Where would you say, apart from New Zealand, um, is there a place in the world that is your favourite place to travel to or that you enjoyed the most when you went travelling there? Um, it would have to be back to Europe always. I've what part of Europe in particular, anything? Probably more the south, Italy, Greece, those parts. Um, and I think that's somewhere that we may eventually end up retiring to. Really? Okay. Yep, we way down the track yet, yeah, but pretty passionate about southern Europe, yes. Wow, okay. That's, yeah, no, that's a lot of that place. And Greece I've never been to. I'd love to go there. Spain, obviously, That these are places that I've got to get to and on the bucket list, so to speak. Talking about bucket list, anywhere that you haven't been to that you want to travel to? Oh, there's so many places. Yeah. Um, at this point, though, I think because of COVID, there's a few places that we want to go back to that we have that we have had amazing times at, and they're kind of, yeah. you know, it's kind of revisiting good times. Yeah. Um, but no, I haven't been, I've never been to Africa, and no. I've never been to India. 
and they're definitely two places that I would like to visit at some point. Yeah, but shorter term, we'll probably be more likely to go back to places where we know. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and I guess if you ever look at your, um, uh, where do you see, I guess, your career sort of going um, with active adventures and, and, and the future? Do you, do you see yourself um, retiring at some point? Are you a person that going to sort of work while, you know, de- you know, for the next quite a long while, or what do you think? <laughs> oh, you asked some big questions. Um, I am already on a bit of a governance pathway, as we've sort of already discussed being on the yeah. the two boards currently, and I've just um, I've been studying to become a chartered member of the Institute of Directors, which means you have to do some papers and some exams. So mm-hmm. the, I'm currently waiting on the result of one of the papers to come in. Um, that if I pass that I I will hopefully become a chartered member of the Institute of Directors so I do have a goal in five ten plus years to go down that governance sort of pathway I think that's something that I would really enjoy Mm, Um, just that sense of giving back and using my knowledge from the last many years to help other companies be successful from a governance perspective but governance is also quite a scary pathway it's quite sort of high personal risk so it's just making sure that I have all the knowledge I can to be armed to be able to do well in that space as well so yes there's a bit of a plan but it's the win is not so easy no the win's not so easy but at least there's something there at the moment I mean things can always change yep. but that's certainly something to strive towards or think about going forward that there is something that is around a corner at some point um, so that's that's uh, it's good that you've got that. Um, obviously, the family. I mean, everyone. The family. Um, you obviously pretty. Everyone stayed pretty close in your. You sort of in a tight knit family. Or? Yep. Yep. Definitely. Both my husband and I are uh, immigrant children, so yep. we only have a small family here in New Zealand. Both of us. Mm, yeah. Um, but it's definitely our own family unit that is the tightest. Yeah. Um, and I've got my son just heading off overseas to university in a couple of weeks, or well, next week, in fact. Wow. So, first step of um, well, leaving the nest. Is he going then to? He's going to Brisbane. Okay. <laughs> to the University of Queensland. UQ. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Yep. St. Lucia. Mhm. Uh, well, so what's he? What's he? Is he studying in particular over there? Or? Engineering. Yep. Okay. So anything about Brisbane that's that's attracted to him that why he wants to go there of all places uh he is a swimmer and yep. there's some very good swim clubs in brisbane including australia's top swim club okay um that he's currently um courting shall we put it that way okay yeah excellent that's that's good that uh well, I hope, you know the good thing about brisbane at least there's that direct flight to queenstown yes. too so i've done that a few times um you know Virgin, I think Qantas, if you know, if they get off the ground, there is a trick for it. Yep. <laughs> um, New Zealand used to do it, but I'm not sure. They'll hopefully they'll bring it back again. But uh, that's always good to know that you're a direct flight away. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. From your son, which yeah, that's that's good to know. It's three and three, three and a half hours in the air. That's right. So that's uh, great. Anything else that you, I guess, you wanted to bring up and chat about uh, about what you're passionate about, your career. Um, anything that you wanted to sort of say to the listeners of the podcast or to your um, to your friends that may be listening? Um, I guess one thing that I am really passionate about is getting more young 
clever people into the tourism and travel industry. That has always been a little bit of a challenge and there's some really good support now through the government um, go with tourism and things like that. But I still think I still think there's that we, we need more smart young people to come through. Mm. The, the, the whole industry is dominated sort of a little bit by old folk like me mm. um, and it would be nice to see some more people coming through. I don't know if it's necessarily seen as a particularly um, illustrious career. Mm. It's more following of a passion. Mm. Uh, so I would love to see and I do a bit of work with some other entities to try and um, really make it more attractive and also to get women in the top jobs a bit more because tourism is dominated by female workers but mm. there's generally mostly males at the top so pretty yeah, keen on that you want to the right sort of balance that's for sure yep um but yeah getting i mean there's obviously a th- things that you know change over time but there probably needs to be some sort of a few more what's what are the what's the tertiary world like with um with you know studying in that sort of space that you know you're sort of now familiar with yeah, that that needs a bit of work still. Mm. I think I don't think it's particularly highly regarded, but it is starting to change with better qualifications and better pathways. Yeah. Um, so we just need to keep working on that yeah. and making sure that the industry continues to develop in such a way that um, there is the finances available for people to invest in human capital, yeah. um, which has also been a challenge for a long time, particularly because of the distribution chain of travel is so complex. Um, but yes, yeah, some nice, gritty, fun challenges to be working on in that space. Yeah, definitely. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Wendy. Uh, we'll get this uploaded very soon and I'll sh- get you to share it around to your network of uh, people as well. But it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. This has been uh, from the Resort Podcast, episode 44. It's 30th of January, 2023. Uh, thank you very much, everyone. And uh, yeah, see you again soon. Thanks, Jim.